Welcome back to another episode of the Slightly More Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Shane Patrick Cruz, along with... Chris Michael, one of your other hosts, which we finally did that right. I know, right. Um, hope everybody uh, had a great holiday, had a good Christmas, had a good New Year, all of that. And apologize if there is any echo. We are actually in my kitchen. We're at my house yeah. for once. We never do it at my house. because oh, day off. Yeah, it's a day, day off. off. It's it's January. Shows are slowing down. I mean, you have to be insane to go out of New Year's Eve, Christmas, all that crazy travel, and then go, all right, what's the next party we're doing? And then start yeah. thinking about that. So January's a little bit of a slower time. We've got a few corporate parties that people decided to do it in January instead of December, which is totally cool with me. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, we're planning. It's a planning month. Yeah. So the past couple of uh, episodes, we've been talking about the show. So we talked about uh, we talked about well, the last one was openers, and then before that was stagecraft. stagecraft. So today's episode is specifically going to be on structuring your show. So we're going to cover topics such as how many routines you should do. Do the routines really matter? Does the do the tricks really matter? Um, how long your show should be? How, how to, to string them together? How to put them everything together? How to create interaction with the audience? Uh, so, what would you like to talk about first out of all that? Yeah, I would love for this to be a masterclass in structuring shows, but there's just too much to go into with this. So we're gonna go pretty um, shallow into these topics just yeah. so we can be sensitive to your guys' time. And if there's anything you want us to to go into more, we're happy to make that into a whole other episode for you because yeah. we need to know what things people struggle with more by putting these out there and getting feedback from you guys. So yeah. one thing I, I think is really important to talk about is uh, figuring out what the importance of structuring your show is. Um, and there's a big difference between having a show and a collection of tricks. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just do trick after trick after trick after trick for my next trick. That's not a show. That's yeah. This you getting up there doing one trick after the other. And people feel that even for kids' shows, that's okay. And it's passable. I mean, I know a lot of uh, magicians, and um, I don't even think Oscar Munoz would mind me sharing his name here, but Oscar Munoz, who mentored me a little bit um, in Kids Magic, he was the president of the International Brother of Magicians for a while. He he literally would do the, oh, that's it for that trick. And the audience would go, oh, and he'd go, but I have another one. And they would go, yay. <laughs> and that was and that was his thing. And it was a part of his show and a part of his character. So it worked for him. But I really think even in that case, like you should you should stay away from that and, and try to create something that's a little bit more um, of a story that you can share with the audience. So yeah. let's go into what you do after the opener because we've covered the opener and now you've got the audience on your side hopefully now you've won them over they like you they see you as a professional they're going to respect you a little bit more now the next challenge is keeping the interaction up with the audience and yeah. um this has very little to do with the tricks that you perform and rather the style that you perform there's a lot of tricks that have built-in interaction like the tossed out deck that's why people perform it because mm -hmm. like i need a trick with interaction that's why but Really, you can plug that into any routine, and we'll go into that. So, right. um, before we dive into these topics, anything you wanted to add? No, no, because I, I think it's important to also within this conversation talk about um, the peaks and val having peaks and valleys mm -hmm. in your show. Um, we, there's, I mean, we can go into peaks and valleys just in the performance, peaks and valleys in the visuals of your show. This is something that. Um, I recently mentioned to Chris about right. visual peaks and valleys. Meaning, so. some some routines you sit, some routines you stand, some happen on the left side. Some happen, right. It just I, I'm very front and center standing a lot in my show, and when I get a volunteer up, we then both stand. There's very little where one's sitting, one's standing. 
just visually it's not as interesting. I think it's so. maybe I think a good place to start this podcast would be to talk about it's not necessarily about the tricks, it's more about the show because the interaction comes with the show, right? And yeah, so, and we've hinted at that a few times just in this opening here, talking about um, getting interaction, visual, um, being visually interesting in your show. Mm-hmm. You notice none of this really has to do with the trick you perform. And a lot of amateurs, they'll mistake that for, oh, I saw a magician do this. Oh, the gypsy thread, you can sit during that. Make it, but you can make any routine fit your needs. You really can, yeah. you know, be, be creative with that. So um, you mentioned... One thing, okay, so me and my friend Zach Alexander, who we mention all the time, um, were curious whether or not people really remembered tricks from a magic show. Yeah. And the conversation actually went to Zach asking a lot of his friends who had been with him past years to magic shows, because Zach sees a a lot of magic shows, a lot more than I've seen, and he takes his friends to see them almost every time. So he goes to all his friends who've seen magic shows with him in the past, things like Piff Show, Penn and Teller Show, I mean, really any show he's been to, and said, "What, what what do you remember from the show? And none of them, none of them named a single magic trick. They mentioned the character or the setting or the story or the feel of the show. Like, oh man, I really remembered how Piff was just so funny and pointed at his audience. And he was just, he's kind of sassy and and, um, and he ribbed the audience a lot. Nobody said specifically the one thing that they remembered was a trick. I bet you if you asked them, well, what trick stood out to you? They might be able to vaguely pull one out. But really, that's not what sells you. What sells you is you and your style. So just because you perform a really awesome trick that fools everybody and brings the house down, that doesn't mean you're going to be booked everywhere. What's going to make you booked everywhere is having an interesting character and routining your show in a way that keeps that that energy and feel of your show continuing. Yeah, I'm I'm still not completely 100% sold on this because on that people don't remember specific things in the show. Because I've been to shows, okay, let me preface this by saying, I probably remember things because I am a magician and I'm probably paying more attention to the show than an average, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, average spectator would watch a magic show. Right. Um, We've had people come up to you. But even then, I think people, I guarantee you people don't go to a David Copperfield show and go, oh, I remember he had a great personality. It was really funny. I guarantee you they walk away going, he literally flew across the theater. Yeah. Like, I, or he, he cut himself in. Or he, he was right above us, disappeared, and reappeared in Hawaii. Like, Yeah. I so agree that. But because, also when David Copperfield was first coming out, he was like the sexy, like attractive, young face right. of magic. And that's what people said is that, Oh, he was young and energetic and yeah. charming, and that's what made him so popular. I will say this too, and um, and I'm not, and I'm not pointing fingers or even, but a lot of people who are just starting out in in their performance career um, haven't quite figured their character out enough to make that shadow over the tricks. Right. Um, so a lot of time when people are coming up to you and saying that they remember the trick that you performed rather than them remembering the show or you as a person, a lot of time that's because the, the, the show itself or the personality behind it wasn't as memorable as the tricks, yeah. which in some ways is doing you an injustice because anybody can perform those tricks, but right. not everybody can perform your show. Right. You know. I, I think that before you... Us saying that it, the trick is not as important does not mean that it's you should not have your effects oh, yeah. down pat. No, no, no. You do not to. go out and do a show 
there again, the caveat to that is you can't get good unless you perform more. Like the more you perform, yeah. the better you get. Right? Well, you know, great so, example. Sorry. Um, I just got Shane to watch David Williamson's live penguin lecture. If you haven't seen it, you so should watch good. it. And you oh, know, you, you very, very rarely will people walk away from that and remember the tricks or the performance. You'll just remember David. You yeah. remember how funny he was, how silly he was, the way he and he literally is hinting at methods in front of spectators yeah. and just yeah. doing things that, that it doesn't even matter if the trick was fooling. It doesn't even matter if it was impressive because you had so much fun watching it. It's like that doesn't matter, and that that's one of the things I found success in with my show yeah. is my tricks are not very fooling, you know, and and that's that's one of the things. It's like over the years I've come to make them more fooling and more impressive, mm -hmm. but when I first started, I got so successful because. People had fun and laughed and, and enjoyed my personality and, and, you know, were able to come into my world. And, yeah, maybe I did tricks that literally a three-year-old could, could, you know, like the tied in knots routine. You know, I never right. showed the box yeah. empty. But anyway, yeah. tangent. Um, I think the important thing to note here is that this goes right into the inter – that's why I want to talk about this first because it goes right into the interaction because the trick is not what is important. The story created between you and your audience through the context mm -hmm. of performing a trick is what is important. So the tricks, you, you still need to have the effect down. Yeah. But what's still most important is for you creating a relationship with your audience. Right. Um, I, I think, and then of course that is created through story and through interaction. Right, right. and it's, and it's the same way that when you go to a restaurant, you you at, at the baseline you expect the food will be good. Right, you know, and and if the food's not good, then that restaurant's horrible. Yeah, you know, so the restaurants who are really successful, very like have very little focus on the food at this point because they've got that down, they've got it figured out, they, they know it works, you know, and a lot of times the best restaurants are the simplest meals, mm. yeah, They're just fresh ingredients, and then where they win you over is the you know, the feel of the restaurant, the mm -hmm. vibe, the, all that. So it's kind of yeah. the same thing in the show. But um, one thing I want to point out before we really get into the meat of it is that we're not going to give you a step-by-step. -step. Your second trick needs to be something with cards and your third trick needs to be something with coins or you know, do you know X amount of time on one routine. We're not going to do that. Right. What we're going to tell you is how you can decide those things based on weaving your story and routining together, which yeah. that, that's the real focus of this podcast here. Yeah, because to give you a real-world example, Chris's show, uh, the first 20 minutes of the show, there's no magic. Yeah. So it's all just story. It's all creating a, a connection uh, with between him and the audience. Um, even my show now, I've changed to where the first... I used to do magic right away. Um, and now I spend a few minutes talking to the audience and getting to know them and them knowing me and that sort of thing. Um, and so I think that's important to create that connection first. We mentioned Eric Jones in a past podcast, a recent podcast about how he comes out to the audience and says, Hey, how you doing? No, really? How are you doing? Like, Oh, what are you, who are you here with? Why are you guys here? Like, how was your holidays? Like, yeah, it's creating that connection first. Um, not to say that you that that is the end all be all for how you should open your show and structure your show. It just tends to more often than not be a really good way to go about it. And here's why people are ready for magic right out the gate. So their guard is up. So any magic yeah. you do at that point is far less impressive. Also because you're a service provider of magic, you do magic. So if you walk out and they don't know who you are and you do magic, it doesn't floor them as much as if you come out and, Oh, this guy's a real guy. Oh, he's connecting with us. Oh, I have a relationship with him now. Now yeah. this relationship I've built is going to bring me magic? 
what? So yeah. I would say your second routine, the second thing you do in your show, I would very strongly suggest that here is where you do some magic. And the longer you wait to get to the magic, the more magic that this routine should have. Now that's not a rule that everybody needs to follow, but in my experience, I, I do the um, a version of the Miser's Dream. I used to do Clonk anyway, but I guess. No, got some- now you do the Coke bottle. Oh, that's right. Now that I did your, it. Yeah. Well, that's your first trick. And we could, we could talk about that's why true. that is. Okay, no, your second trick is the Miser's Dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Miser's yeah, Dream. And the reason why is because there's so much magic happening in that. Especially my routine. There, It's not just a noise gag. It's actual visual things with things that coins appearing in shoes and on the shoulder and out yeah. in the audience. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of magic happening in a short period of time. Um, and because I took so long to get to the magic, I want to reward the audience for that and then tell them, oh, that's why we waited so long. He really was good at the magic. He yeah. just you know, needed to build to it. Well, let's go ahead and talk about, because it, it actually kind of goes into structure, and then we can talk about interaction and yeah. that sort of thing. So t- specifically about how to structure your show, because that's kind of the beginning. We were talking about how to structure the opening of the show. Now let's talk about how to structure your actual show. Yeah. So what do you want to mention first on that? Yeah, so so right after the opener, really what I just said about having something that does establish your style of magic right out the gate. Um, and remember I said right there, style of magic. Right. You know, don't do something. This is later on in the show, you can play with some things that are different than your character and skew off a little bit because they know you more and they can recognize, oh, this is a little bit off from what he normally did. Right. If, you, if it's the first magic piece they're seeing, that sets the tone for the rest of the magic. Yeah. So set the tone of the magic they'll be seeing in the show right out of the gate, which yeah. is why I was hesitant to do the vanishing bottle in the beginning because it sets the tone as this gag sucker magic show and i I didn't want to do that right um we found ways around that now and in some shows if i do it a corporate show i will open with that in my first trick but there's so much byplay in the beginning of the show that it i this is this is advanced stuff so we're able to break the rules a little bit yeah um so once you set the style of magic on that second routine people it's a lot easier for you to move into your third routine here Mm -hmm. but make sure that all makes sense don't just put your props away silently grab the next thing and say okay now we're gonna try this that a lot of guys do that and um and the mentalists, by the way, are known for saying, I want to try something. That's such a, I don't know. Just That that was my first few shows. Yeah. It was like, all right, let's try something else. Let's, let's, uh, uh, I, I've got a demonstration I'd like to show you. That sort of thing. Now, mine is very, my show, my new show is very it. story driven. I love now. it. So it's, you know, it basically talks about connection. So it's like, it, it connects me with the audience in the first effect and then it moves into a connection between me and someone else that's very um uh daunting in a way um and then it moves into uh, hey since we're on the subject of connection you know one of the best connections that are, that are out there are people the couples that have been together for a long time so there's this natural transition which we'll talk about shortly this natural transition from one to the other right yeah, and it doesn't have to seamlessly in- integrate. And integrating pieces together is so easy. Find what the commonalities are or why you're shifting to that and put that in there. So I'll, I'll, I don't mind sharing my show connecting pieces. Yeah. So the first thing, the reason why I spend so long to do magic is because I tell the audience, well, before the show begins, we have to do a mic check. So many mm-hmm. shows, the mics don't sound good. and That throws the whole show off. So we need to do a mic check. And then that actually is a routine. It doesn't sound like a routine, but it ends up leading into a, a beatboxing routine with the right. audience member. From there, I, I let them know, hey, well, I know you guys didn't come here to see beatboxing. You wanted to see some magic. And they go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If I'm going to do magic, I do have to get warmed up first. Just like playing a sport or playing an instrument, I need somebody out there who doesn't mind helping me come up mm-hmm. to get warmed up and do some magic. Mm-hmm. That's the first routine. Then 
connecting that routine to the next routine. What is that first routine? It's the, that's the miser's dream. Yeah. So getting warmed up for the show. And sometimes, it, sometimes now it is the vanishing bottle. Yeah, and so the the reason why I start with that one, when I start with it, I say, before I get to any magic, I would love to just pay respect to my grandfather who got me interested in magic by showing me the first trick he ever taught me. Also, and this is something that I, was I the one that mentioned that to you? Yeah. To start? Well, so here's the reasoning behind that, right? It The vanishing, his Chris's routine is um, the vanishing bottle, if you, a magician that no, I'm no, watching. No, we changed it because the card routine on the phone. That's why we had to put it first, because I had to do some actual magic to prove I could do magic before I mess with an audience member. Right. So, okay. So let's give some context to this. So you used to start out by doing, is it okay to share it? I'd no, rather not share it. Yeah, okay, yeah. listen. There's a, there's a routine that Chris does that doesn't actually have any magic in it. It's literally just an inter interaction between the audience and It's kind and of like Chris. a prank. I'm, it's like a, it's like, it's a think of balls over the head. It's very similar. Right. It's, it's, very, it's very much where the audience is in on it. That's, that's a good, great way to describe right. it. The audience is in on it, and then the spectator finds out at the end. But the, the problem with doing that as my first trick was here's this long beatboxing routine with no magic. Right. And then here's this big excitement for magic. And then the audience is in and on it. And it's no, magic. no really ma no real yeah. magic. So we had to break it up by putting a routine in between them. Yeah. And we found that that actually brings bigger reactions to yeah. when the audience is in on it. So I, I made the yeah. suggestion of doing the vanishing bottle because that's a great, it's still a great routine where they think that they're in on it. And then at the very end they find out, Oh wow, it's got, when he, crushes the bottle and it's not there anymore they're like ah mr magic is actually pretty good so <laughs> I hope they don't uh, but it's a, but it's a, a a short bit of like oh wait a second okay now there's some magic here and then it's the show i think it's a perfect place to talk about too this within the structure of the show the show should have peaks and valleys in the show right so it should the show should build uh structure wise the show should build and then what I want to get into at the end is how you come off that come off that peak, and then take them right back up again at the end. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people yeah. hit that peak and they leave the show with that. They leave people on this really high note, and it almost to a point gets audiences where they're like, they have nowhere to go because yeah. they're like, oh god, that's amazing. Where do we go from here? You don't you don't give them a moment to come off that right to yeah. have a release from that so that. That opening now is is we're we're heading up that we're heading up that mountain right we're heading up that peak to the high point. Um, I had the opposite sorry, problem. That was a side tangent. No, no, that's great because we are going to get to that. Yeah. Um, I had the opposite problem where a lot of magicians don't know how to build the peaks. They have trouble building the peaks uh, because they, they everyone wants that big explosive high energy thing. That was my entire show. I mean, I had the audience literally like. Like ah, the entire time. Yeah. And I realized that that I used to think that meant my shit was great. Yeah. And really, it's not true. I just because you have the audience literally yelling at everything and like interacting with you and yeah. being high energy all the time. Yeah. That does not mean it's a good show. A good show, like just like a movie. Like if it's a thriller movie that's thrilling every second, I mean you're gonna be like, Holy it's overwhelming. Man. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, in my show, that was a good way to put it. It was overwhelming. A lot of yelling. A lot of it's just. A lot. Yeah. Now bringing it back down at points mm -hmm. and letting the audience rest for a little bit mm -hmm. before I bring them back up, mm -hmm. and, and it even makes those peaks stand out even more. Yeah, so, you, you want to take the audience on a journey, right? They they need to. If you think this a, a movie is a perfect example for this, 
You know, a movie is not constant. A, a, a movie that's down here all the time is boring, right? And then a movie that's up here all the time is extremely overwhelming. So that's why movies have peaks and valleys too, right? Um, that's why a lot of people don't like newer cartoons that are coming out for kids. We hear this a lot with some of the... I'm not going to even say the names just for copyright things, but right. a lot of them just people cannot stand them. And the reason why is because they're up here all the time. Yeah. And that's what kids are used to with jump cuts on YouTube channels. Yeah. And, the, that, that's, and that's one of the things, side note, of Beyond the Magic we're really trying to not do is not... As much as it kills me to not be high energy all the time, yeah. we're trying very hard to not do that. And I try that very hard in my show as well because as a person... I tend to be a little wound up, you mm -hmm. know? So um, it does take some work for me. Um, but we can actually talk about right now building peaks and then building valleys, yeah. digging valleys. So well, one last quick thing on the structure of the routines. You don't, another misconception in building a show is that you need to put seven, eight, nine effects in a show. That is not necessary. No, that is I, almost I, like you're like running through tricks and you, and yeah. I mean, an hour long, even seven effects in an hour-long show is a lot. I think you have about six or seven in yours. No, no, in, in an hour show. In an hour show, and yeah. I, I really only have five tricks in my show mostly. Right. And yeah. I actually did an entire tour of, uh, at the time it was 84 shows, with three tricks. Yeah. I did an entire tour with three tricks. I know another tricks. big time magician. He literally does an hour show with three tricks. It's, it's creating, his entire show is more about creating the connection between Same. him and the audience and having a great time and cutting up and oh, oh and well let's let's real quick talk about stringing together just touch on this real quick to sum this up before we go sure. to peaks and valleys um so it was the beatboxing the warm-up thing showing the first trick i ever learned you did just little things that you can use to justify and say hey here's where i'm bringing you because mm -hmm. if you just, it's like it's like waking somebody up and they don't know where they are if you say hey we're gonna go to home depot and they fall asleep in the car and they wake up and they're at home depot they're not surprised but if you just don't tell them where you're going, you tell them we're gonna go to Home Depot, they go to Home Depot and then you go, they think they're going home and they wake up and they're at Walmart, mm -hmm. it's confusing, right? So mm -hmm. you wanna tell the audience where you're bringing them so they kinda of know what to expect. And then actually the benefit of this is it, it allows you to, um, um, the word I'm thinking of, um, they're expecting something and you divert that, like divert their expectations mm -hmm. a little bit when they know where it's going. A lot of people mm -hmm. are afraid to tell them where it's going you can tell them it's it's fine. So it can be literally any sentence from, you know, during that routine, there was a moment there where I, I was kind of doubting everything. And, yeah. you know, another routine that really made me doubt something when I was, hey, in fact, you guys want to see it? And they'll say, yeah. yeah. And then now that's, that's a canned line, but it feels genuine and authentic. And that's one thing also I want to mention about your shows is people will come back to see shows if they feel that they are getting a unique experience that they can't get anywhere else. That's why I love the comedy in my show coming from yeah. the audience members doing things because, uh-oh, big secret time. Those things happen in every show. Yeah. But man, do I hype it up like it doesn't. Yeah, it's a great so. story about David Copperfield and he's doing the um, – when he's doing the uh, – the death saw illusion, you know, where he's cutting the big saw comes down, big, you know, circular saw comes down, cuts him in half. One night, a guy yelled out, move your feet, right? And of course, they move the feet and then they separate, you know, the two halves of Copperfield. Um, people thought it was some random guy yelling in the audience when in fact, it was the same guy every single night saying the same sentence every single night. So people thought that they were a part of this unique thing that happened like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Like this guy from the audience just like randomly yelled out, move your feet. And then 
he moved his feet and it's so crazy but that literally happened every single performance yeah um, so the unique things that you can throw in um that's something that i have not done yet but i'm i'm you thinking about i'm thinking about it and david williamson talked about a story where he i'm not going to give you the whole story but he essentially went to see a show and the character answers the phone and says hello, and then it rings, meaning that he messed up the oh, script. Oh yeah, yeah, it's play. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, a play, yeah. and yeah. so he picks up the phone, and he goes hello, and then it rings, and then the actor actually broke character and laughed, and then yeah. the audience loved it. Yeah. Well, David loved it so much that he came back to see the play again, mm-hmm. and you know what happened the, the next night? The exact, exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah. And it gave people this experience of seeing something that they couldn't see if they would have came any other night. They get yeah. so grateful they came to that specific show to see the actor be humanized like that. And yeah. And in my show, there's a lot of moments like that. For instance, we, we designed literally the cup over the head trick, which unfortunately every magician does. And I'm sorry I performed that too. But yeah. we've made it so unique and so different because yeah. we literally let every single time we do it feel like the audience is seeing something that happened yeah. only on every that Every single show. time they think, ah, oh, there's going to be water in there for sure. Yeah, the way we, we the way that we structure it now. We don't do it the typical way. There's no drinking no. of the water or any of that. Nah, so, nah. Yeah. Um, I, am I able to talk about because yeah, the transition ahead. is again? I don't want to give away your show. But, no, I don't uh, care. Um, the transition from well, you don't want to talk about this trick though. That's just because it's not mine. It's uh, I paid for. I paid somebody to allow me to use the rights on it, and their negotiation was that I don't share it with anybody. Oh yeah, but it's talk about like the um and i'll cut this but are we able to talk about the fact that it just uses card reading yeah because i want to talk about the transition from that into the tossed out deck because it's a Uh-oh. beautiful transition yeah essentially it's where the audience is in on a routine where the whole entire audience knows what card the volunteer selected the the volunteer has no idea that they know okay that's the way to put it so the audience knows exactly right. what card they're thinking about because i'm showing it to them right um and the guy on stage or woman on stage has no clue yeah. So um, I am making it seem like the audience is reading their mind. Um, and the one thing with that that Shane pointed out is now when you come to the tossed out deck, you have a callback to that moment. And you say, yep. hey, before you know, we messed around and showed a way that – and the audience member finds out at the end of the routine. That's the whole point of it. But yeah. um, you know, I showed you guys how we can give the illusion that we're reading somebody's mind when in actuality that's not the case. I would love to show you guys somebody attempt this for real. Yeah, and that's the transition into it. Into a tossed out duck, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a, the same thing, and then you go into a book test. You know, it's the same thing. It's like tossed out deck one in fifty two. I mean, obviously that's compounded because we use six or seven people. But let's do this, Shane. Give me a um, give me two routines that you feel just two. It could be two random magic routines, either something you make up now or anything from SpongeBob to a book test. Give me two routines let's back do to that. back. And let's I'll do tell you how we how we put, how I would put them together. Let's do SpongeBob's. Okay. To a book test. Those are two completely opposite things, right? Right. Okay. So, and I'm just literally going to come up with these off the top of my head. This should probably take a little bit more workshopping. I wouldn't suggest coming up with something in 30 seconds, but right. sometimes you need to when you need to switch your shot. So, yeah. let's just say it's a traditional sponge roll routine to a traditional book test, okay? Mm-hmm. So, we do something in the hands and we open the hands and, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that our bodies are connected like that, that something placed in my hand can go to your hand. But a lot of the time, I feel that Truly, our minds are connected. You know, you, you hang out with this with somebody that you're married to for too long, and you start thinking the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, so you so talk the, about body being connected, and then, you know, but let's see if our minds are now connected. Yeah. Julie, since you were the one who connected with me on the sponge balls, would you take this book for me? 
Yeah, the same thing, the same can be said of this is the physical man manifestation of moving an object from here to here. The same thing happens with our thoughts, except it's you can't see it when it happens. So it's now it's this moving one thing from from you to me, right? Oh, I got an or idea. From me to you, right? Yep. So now it's a I'm gonna try now I'm gonna try to move. This is we can manipulate this thoughts. A little bit harder to manipulate, exactly, right? Yeah. So let's let's. I I got it. I'm so used. To, I need to stop. I was gonna say let's let's try something with yeah, that. It's such a it's, mind it's, reader thing. It is, but it's um, not bad. It's just a lot of people do. It. So another yeah. thing that came to mind is there's a force that you know the circle force. Think yeah. of a simple shape like a square or a triangle. You're just pretty much leaving the circle, and then you um, say, and and everybody here think of a color. Who thought of a yeah. red circle? And they raise their hand, and then you do then you do the SpongeBob routine after that. Yeah. Now you can say, and actually, what's interesting is before we even started this this trick here. I asked you guys to think of a shape and a color. And how is that I knew that so many of you would think of red? Mm. And then you could say, that's the thing. We think we're creative, but we're not. When I ask you to think of a word, people go for the same common words. Yeah. But if I give you a book and have you flip through, you have hundreds of thousands of options and you can unlock your imagination. And then yeah. you, can, you can go into a book test like that. So I want to see if, we can, if I can predict what you guys will say this time but literally out of hundreds of thousands of options of complex words. And then there you go, you get into a book test. That's a little bit more on the let's try something because you're just kind of showing skills. There's no yeah. storyline there. But unfortunately- well, well, you could even like, I mean, doesn't, then you can think about, if you want to expand that even more, something I just thought about, which is um, you do a production. What is this called? Is this, what is this? A piece of nothing and nothing looks like, and then you produce the sponge ball, right? All right. So it could be, imagine this is a thought. Now thoughts are things we can't see. What if we were to physically manifest that thought into real life? Because our minds have the, the and power enough to do that. And how that, writing right? is how you can physically see thoughts. Yeah, so let's let's see if we can actually physically manifest the thought of nothing. And then boom, SpongeBob. And then there's and a storytelling opportunity. Routine, right? You can talk about authors and writing. Now you can talk about authors who've truly impacted you. Because the fact that you, can, you look up to, let's say Elon Musk. I love Elon Musk. Let's say Elon Musk writes a book. And I can read his, I can know what's going on in Elon mind by reading words that I can see with my eyes and then you, you have a chance to tell a story about yourself and, and there's a chance for me to show my love for Elon Musk and things like that yeah. so so now you're giving opportunities based on the past routine to share a story about yourself that leads to the next routine that was super cool exercise really glad we did that we're gonna talk about peaks and valleys yeah yeah so go ahead so building a peak is my expertise I'll let you talk about building valleys because I think you're far better at that and I'm still working on building valleys in my show getting better at it still something that makes me uncomfortable so there's two different I'll say this first and then you go into yep. it there's two different kinds of peaks and valleys when it comes to structuring structuring your show there's peaks and valleys in the actual effects that you do the energy level of the, the audience. energy level yep and then there's peaks and valleys visually so uh -huh. let's talk about the effects first yeah so uh, a peak would be a routine, for instance, like um, Steven Seguin does the chairs routine where literally you build up the audience and you get them yelling and you pull the last chair out from the volunteer and you lift it above your head. The audience stands and cheers and claps. That mm -hmm. is a peak. For me, when I do a dangerous stunt in my show, I get the entire audience to cheer for me and clap and yell. And the louder they yell, the more dangerous it gets. That's a peak. Mm -hmm. Okay. My entire show was like that, every routine, and that was bad. Um, I had to learn how to put peaks in there, so if, or valleys. So if you're trying to learn how to um, create peaks, this is you're going to want to do two, one of two things. Build tension and suspense mm. or ask the audience to bring energy. Yeah. Those are two really cool things you can do. Um, you can also bring people up to emotional peaks, but I would almost argue that that's a valley. If you're tear-jerking, right? Like, what would you say? Peak or valley? 
Um, I, I would say that's. Um, I would, I would say that's a peak. I think it's, it's a an peak, emotional yeah. peak. Exactly. So so there's, so maybe there's three types then: an emotional peak, an energy peak, and then a peak of suspense. Well, even energy is emotion. That's very true. Yeah. Suspense is emotion. Yeah. Um, even the routines, even the individual routines, it's good to have peaks and valleys in your individual routines. And as you well. can turn any routine into a peak or a valley. My SpongeBob routine, if I approach it with low energy, a little bit more elegantly, the music that can be a valley. Right. Okay. So let's talk about this specifically. The SpongeBob. It starts out as a Oh, they switched, which is kind of like, okay, right, yeah. but it's still the same. And then it's like, you do a, a your character is like, no. I hype like, it up, that's yeah. That's not going to. I give them the ball, and I, I, I just build impossibility. Stand across yeah, the stage. Yeah, it goes from one in their hand, to two in their I, hand, to three in their hand, to now like. Yeah, so I go across the stage, boom, boom, boom. I can build a, a peak by telling the audience, they're going to stand all the way over here. I'm going to take this one, place my hand, and leave it in front of you guys the entire time. How absolutely crazy would it be? Absolutely impossible to be if this moment that you guys say the word now, my ball disappears and appears all the way across the stage. Let's do it together in three, two, one, and everyone says now, and you toss, and it's gone, and you point, and you go, before you open this, this is going to be insane. They open it, and then there's That's two balls. super energy. Now, That's actually, thinking about it, thinking about your routine, um, I actually have a suggestion for it. So it's like the beginning of, like, okay, one one enters their hand, or now, so you put one, you hold one, you open your hand, it's gone, now they have two, they go, wait a second. So now it's a, if you want to, if you think about peaks and valleys in your team, you're, you're heading up the peak for this. So that's very, like, low energy in the beginning, I go, wait a second. Yeah. That can't, but that was just one. Let, let's, let's try it again. Now you're building, right? So now they have, they open their and hand, now they have three, they go, if this is, Right, and now, now the last one. Now yeah. you're at the the highest of the peak. Everybody, three, two, when they open up, and boom, there's twenty of That's them. That's how you there, build right? a peak, right? Right. To build a valley, let's do this same thing with this SpongeBob across the stage. I want you to take this and hold it in your hand, okay? Hold mm -hmm. it in your hand tightly, mm -hmm. and I'll take mine. I'm gonna place it right here. We're gonna bring them in close and don't touch your hands. Mm -hmm. I need everybody just be silent for a moment, and we'll see what happens. Right. And you open. open. Now. That's impressive, and that you will get. I mean, you'll you'll peak up a little bit because it's an applause cue, um, but you're you're keeping the energy low, and you have to be careful to sustain your valleys. Because what I do is I tend to cut myself off a lot and yeah. move on too fast, and go, no, I'm just kidding, let's do this, and I'm I'm, I'm bringing it up all the time unintentionally. Yeah. Um, I really learn how to learn how to hold and pause in between my sentences, open my hand, and let it sit for a moment. Let the is something I tell I I say all the time. Sit with the magic. Let that magical moment sit for a second. Don't immediately move on to something else because you kill it for your audience. There's so, you have to give your audience time to, that is also the, once again, a peak in a valley now that I think about it because you peak them at this magical moment. This, there's 20 sponge balls there or the X appears on their hand for your double cross people out there. The X appears on their hand. Don't immediately cut them off from that. Let them sit. Now, obviously if you're, your character is probably, you can either go the extreme route, which is like a David Blaine, which like deep. literally waits 20 minutes for them. I'm going to be, ups be upset if Shane doesn't cut this into a clip. Let me say this. This is extremely profound. The moment of magic and the applause cue is only so beautiful because you're giving the audience the ability to express themselves. If you tell the audience how they can react or how they should react, the beauty of the applause cue is gone because you're removing the permission for them to respond however they want to respond. So you as an entertainer, open your hand and wait. 
and you're inviting the audience to respond because they're in a, they're in a theater or show setting or a corporate setting. They are well behaved for your show. They yeah. are watching the routine. You need to give so much time that they realize, okay, now, okay, sorry, now it's my moment as the audience member to react how I like. And then the beauty is you're giving them permission to act the mm. way they want, whether that's a gasp, whether that's looking at their friend and nudging mm -hmm. them, whether that's taking a picture, whether that's clapping. Mm -hmm. You know, um, people don't take, don't, don't, I do this so much where if I don't get an applause and I wait and it seems like too much time has passed, I quickly step on the moment. But yeah. it does take sometimes an uncomfortable amount of time for the audience to register that it's their time to react and yeah. let them have that because it's it's almost rude if you don't let them react the way they want to. A lot of uh, uh, magicians and entertainers are focused on getting the reaction for their purposes, but really it's for the audience, the reaction. And that's right. why Luke Germain, what you're telling me in the car, which provides some context, Luke Germain is working on a show where he doesn't want the audience to applaud until the end of the show. Yeah. But, uh, you know, anyway... Um, you do have to wait, and, and especially when you're making a valley and carving out a valley, something a little bit more low energy, don't step on those moments. You need to let it sit and, and be processed and thought about a little bit more, whereas a peak is a little bit more shallow. It, it doesn't take as much processing power to, right. to get across a peak. Yeah. Peak is very groupthink, like it's very it's very building the audience together, whereas a valley tends to take place more on the individual level for people. Right. So maybe another example, the stab routine, you've all seen it, five bags, one nail, Boom, boom, boom. Um, I do mine blindfolded. Um, Somebody please put a Lego in a bag and use your feet. And I shouldn't be, have given that away. I, I'm going to do that, but, but yeah. feel free to do it first. Yeah. I don't care. You can do it first. Um, so the, the peaks and valleys within that routine is the peak is blindfolded, right? Now we're, we're slowly, like as the blindfold is going on, we're slowly going up the peak. The hand over which one, they say the spectator behind me says stop. That is a peak. The audience is literally on the edge. Wait, like, no, is he going to? And then, boom. That is <gasps> the audience. Jerk reaction for the audience, right? They're like, no way is he going to keep doing that. I purposefully, I, boom, I purposely, wait a second. And you'll notice I the leave is, it there. They're still tense, and then they might go. <sighs> yeah, they're like, oh, God, okay, that's over now. That bag goes and away, don't. and then I immediately. So they go, wait a second, he's not going to keep doing this, is he? Right. So that's a peak valley, peak valley, peak valley. Right. You want to release but your show. From that. For me, not even just in the individual routines, your show needs to have peaks and valleys. There needs to be some routines that are much higher than others. There needs to be because right. some routines don't worry about each routine being a masterpiece of energy. Right. It's okay for some routines to be quiet, and that's why Manipax went so well. You know. The, yeah. 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 Also, I think it's a good transition point right here to talk about um, the end of the show. Something that I find quite interesting, Darren Brown does this really well. I've done it at a couple of my shows. I don't do it on my current show, but I'm thinking about adding it in because it's so good. Is the show ends, you build, build, build. The show is technically over. It seems like it's over. And you go, oh, wait, 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 wait. We almost forgot about this, or we almost forgot oh, the envelope. You, sir, you're holding on to the envelope. Like, that is so, so it's like you hit them at the end of the show, you give them a point to relax, and then you hit them once again. And you bring it back up, and that's a standing ovation. Yeah, so it's literally, it's you, you get them way up here, the end of the show, oh, fantastic, fantastic, and you're like, thank you, thank you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So the people are down, and they're like, wait a second, what's going on now? That second that second time up, so the end of the, sh the first end of the show, you, they, they come down, oh, good show. 
this second end of the show ends up being much higher now because people have relaxed. People have come all the way down because they think, ah, oh, end of show. And then you bring them right back again. Not to say that you need to do that, but I love that ending. Your show um, doesn't have something like that. But what I find quite interesting is the show builds, builds, builds in forms of effects. Builds, 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 builds. And then you end on what you and end actually, on. that's how yeah, and that's how my show is. That's how my show is built. Is yeah. it's built to one routine after the other, get more and more energy to the point where yeah. at the at the second to last routine, everyone is cheering, like literally cheering and clapping and yelling, like they're yelling so much so that you even told me you have to I have to tone it down a little bit. Right? Yeah. So anyway, tone that down a little bit. But anyway, so it builds, 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 and the last routine you can. I mean, it's a floating table. Floating I do table. A, a floating table with um, a unique little twist on it. But anyway. Uh, it comes down to just you go ahead you wanted to speak on it well yeah so the interesting thing to me for structure talking about structure of the entire show the beginning of the show starts out with connecting with the audience right the end of the show the floating routine also connects with the audience because you talk about memories and and um and it's a good time to reflect on the relationship you have with the audience yeah like reflect on reflect on your takeaways from it like you know compliment the audience and Hey, here. So, so, so far, we've. Don't be afraid to go back to the bullet points of your show. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. So, you do a call. It's good to call back um, at points in your show to the beginning or to things that have already happened in the show. And you do that at the end of the show by saying, "I've shown you my first trick I ever learned. I've shown you the my most dangerous trick. Now I'm going to show you the trick that got me into magic. Um, I love it more than anything. Thank you all so much for being here." This is my gift to you all. Um, and then you do the floating table. And it's a great way. It's uh, You bring people way up here. That you let people relax. But you don't let go of them. You still create a connection with them. Even in the relaxed moment. And it ends on a, so a, I nice, learned a how nice to, note. Yeah. And I, I don't, not to step on what Shane said. Because that's, that's, that's a great point. And I, I don't want to overset that. But one thing I did want to mention about routining a show is um, I learned how to routine a show from what me and Zach, um, you know, because Zach used to live near me and we used to be business partners essentially. We would help each other with the shows. Uh, I used something called a go-to guy where the entire show, um, whenever I needed a callback to something, the callbacks all happen with the same person. Yeah, and, that's good too. And they get more and more comedic as you go, the more you call back to them. Yeah. Um, I don't do that as much anymore just to get more audience members involved. I kind of might go back to that. Just I have something like that as well. Anytime something happens, you go back to the person. Any Anytime you need a comedic effect, literally it gets so funny sometimes where if you just look at the person, they laugh because they, they're acknowledging that you're recognizing that this guy is the guy who's stringing the, strong, the show together. Yeah. And it's yeah. so funny. Um, I mean, everything to whenever you're done with a prop, just bring it over to the guy and putting it in his lap, you know? Just yeah. like letting it, just anything like that can help just be callbacks and little things that continue throughout your show. We call those through lines. Yeah. So anything that, that is continuous throughout the show is a through line. And then bookends, which is what Shane kind of into that, bookends is something that goes from the beginning that comes back at the end. And a yeah. great way to incorporate that is to get to the end with no bookend, and then you go, wait, 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 sorry, we almost forgot, and then you're bringing in that that bookend down and saying, boom, now it's over. Yeah, um, yeah, mine is, uh, I need to add this back into the show because it's so good, and it, it accomplishes both of those things. It's a basically a confabulation routine that starts out at the beginning of the show. I single out one particular person. Well, the audience singles that person out, um, and then they're the through line throughout the show. I, they have an envelope, and throughout the two or three times throughout the show, I say, 
you still have a choice. Do you want to keep the one you have? I've got this one. You know? No? Okay. All right. And that go and then the show ends and I go, oh wait, wait, wait. Well, I almost forgot the the envelope. Yeah, come, come on up, right? And so now it's like, oh, we get to see one more thing. Like he's gonna keep hanging out with us, that kind of thing. So not only is it the through line, but it bookends the entire show because they remember that from the very beginning of the show. Now it just ties and the confabulation also ties in things that happen throughout the show. Um, one, so. one funny idea that I've been playing with um, in my head is what if you used one volunteer for every trick and the joke was that it didn't seem like you were? Oh, like yeah. like you like you literally thank them, you have them go back to their seat and you're like, all right, for this next trick, I need somebody to, oh, sir, you look great for this. Come on up here. And literally he just sat back down idea. and he has to come all the way back up. Yeah. Super funny, not really courteous to him. But then you can play on that. You know, by the third time you need a volunteer, I just really need a volunteer. I don't know if like... Don't, don't, don't. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's like even interested in here. I've never really, I don't really use volunteers in my show that often, so I don't know if, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody wants to, and you just, you know, then you can play on that so much. In fact, that's interesting. And then you can, then you can literally show. bring a chair up on stage for him and have him sit on it throughout the show. So whenever yeah. he needs somebody, he just stands up and you can literally, funny. even solo routines can incorporate him. Now he's sitting on the edge of the stage and whenever you want to cut your rope, you walk over, he snips it, you know, so little things like that. <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. I would love that. Um, this is this is born out of the idea of just a side note, bringing a volunteer on stage at the beginning of the show, and like literally bringing up like you need him for a routine, and then you never acknowledge them after that. You just have That's them. Not good, it's though. not good. It's not good. But Don't this, do that. This is where this. But then you would. I just thought it'd be so funny to have them sit in the chair, like they're standing there, and then after a while, you just look like you need a chair or something. Like you bring a chair, cool. And then yeah. later again, you need a bottle of water. And then later on. Yeah. All right, just stop breathing so loud, you know, like things like that. And then yeah. eventually they do something huge at the end was the idea. But that was not as clean as using the same volunteer for every routine. So little ideas that I don't use that you're welcome to use, um, but things like yeah, that. If you do that, let us know how that works out. Using it won't work out very well, so. I mean, the rest of the audience might get upset, but or they might think it's extremely funny. Who knows? Try a, with a birthday kid, you know? Yeah, a birthday kid actually might be pretty good. A regular audience might think they're a stooge. No, but that'd be the fun of it. They know they're one of them. Okay, so, right, yeah. um, anyway, so in one right. one other thing that we talked that we promised, we hit on uh, peaks so and valleys. About interaction now. Yeah, and interaction. Um, Creating interaction with the look audience. Look at that. We, we, we just we literally were just talking about that incidentally with the one guy interaction. Go to guy go. is a great way. Yep. You're essentially building up a spokesman for the audience. Um, yeah. kind of what he is. He's a person who singularly, singularly. Yep, singularly. <laughs> Singular. Not really. Didn't really do school ever. So. Didn't really do school. Didn't really do it. I went. You know, got. I mean, I got a four year degree and uh, not going to school. So uh, yeah. no, I did. I got a four year degree in psychology. I may. I joke about it so much that literally people think I didn't go to college. Yeah. I really did go to. I. I am at the house that I moved to when I needed to go to college right now. So anyway, right. singularly, he represents the audience. Right, um, and, that, and it's really cool, and that's part of the reason why I think you would, you know, it's it's sort of the opposite feel of. Well, uh, on that, each spectator you bring up represents the audience. They are the right. audience. The, the audience reacts through the spectator on stage. Please, please, for the love of everything, talk to your volunteers. Yeah. Please ask them I've made their that name. Before. Yeah, I've I've yeah. everyone's made it, man. Every, yeah. Everyone who's done any shows. Hi, thanks for coming up. Oh crap, what was your name? Like, oh my gosh. I mean ask them like just it's so much fodder for fun and jokes and callbacks, but also even people think you have to be funny with the answers. Even if you do absolutely nothing with the information they give you, it just is nice that you asked. Just bringing them up there. One of the good things I will say about your show is that you, you 
you're able to do callbacks based on what people randomly said during the routine all the time I bet that's just, that's like ah, like right john you know you know buddy remember right so you're like yeah you know so it's this funny callback like life. somebody says they're a nurse and later on right. like you come you like something happens medically and you're just like hey you know you yeah like just, you do the stab routine and you're like Joan, you got me, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're good, right? At least we have Joan, right? Nurse, yeah. So people remember that. Go, oh, wow, I remember, I don't remember their name, but I remember what they did. and Or where they're from, you collect where they're from, you know. Yeah. One so. time I was hanging out and actually, and then you can mention some place where somebody was from and that gets a laugh, you know. Yeah. You know, like, uh, anyway, you don't have to be funny or even do callbacks with them. You should just bring a volunteer up and because they're representing the audience, you're giving the audience some, uh, uh, they're literally watching you express yourself for an hour. Let them express themselves for three minutes, you know? And yeah. literally, 60 seconds is good. And 60 seconds is a long time, but that's what I've been told by actually somebody who helped me write my show um, mentioned, you know, talk to your audience members for a minute before you do anything with them. Bring them yeah. up their name, where they're from. What but, other tips do you have on connecting with the audience? Um, Besides remembering their names and asking them about themselves. And don't, do, magic is an art form that exists without a fourth wall, which is why it's so different than other art forms. Yeah. Um, you know, you need people to, to it, it's a comedy. There, there needs to not be a fourth wall there. No. Um, now, like a comedy movie, you know, there is a fourth wall. Anyway, right. um, don't be afraid to talk to the audience and acknowledge them. Um, a lot of people think a routine that doesn't involve the audience doesn't involve the audience, but it does. I mean, you can ask them questions or even like when I say, you know, you can just ask them if they understand what you're saying, like mm -hmm. even that. So, you know, I used to just say magic is a lot like playing a sport or playing an instrument. If you don't play, a, if you don't warm up before you play a sport, you're not going to perform very well or you can injure yourself play an instrument without warming up first it doesn't sound very good and then i used to just leave it at that and go right into my routine it was like a mm -hmm. monologue but i say how many have you ever played a sport before how mm -hmm. many currently play an instrument and then i just ask the audience members what happens if you don't warm up before you play a sport and you gesture at somebody right and now i'm building that interaction i literally because they already know where i'm going with that what happens right. if you, and then you might get a funny answer i mean and that, that's another thing is don't be afraid to interact with the audience in random moments that's when you get the best feel for your show you know? Yeah, you also get really great lines from your audience. You know, like, what happens if you play a sport without warming up first? And they go, you won't get laid. And you're like, oh, that literally has happened to me before. And you're like, I guess that's a pretty good point, you know? Yeah. And then that, that's a joke that, personally, I don't use because it's not my style of humor. Right. But um, I went in my back pocket for the right audience, yeah. you know? So, yeah. and that's how you're going to get feel that stuff. So, asking questions to the audience, keeping things open-ended. Yeah. Um, even ask if they can see things sometimes. And one of my favorites that people think is super unprofessional, I asked this in my last theater show, and I actually did need to ask. I said, can you guys hear me okay? And then just yeah. everyone went, yeah. And it was this big crowd moment of like, yeah. Like, I didn't even mean for that to be a really cool moment, but it was just a cool moment for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I open my show up by asking, who in here has ever had a moment of intuition or a psychic moment? And so now I get to react with the show. Also, on that point, not only do I ask that question, who in here has ever had uh, a moment of intuition or something psychic happen to them, such as thinking about a friend and then that friend automatically calls. Not only is that creating a conversation between me and the audience and letting me know tidbits about the audience, it also tells me who in the audience would be a good volunteer to bring on stage. So typically someone that has had an intuitive experience before or believes in psychic kind of abilities, they're gonna be better for me to bring on stage than someone who is skeptic and very closed off to what I'm gonna show them. Yeah, great point. So it's a great way for you to see the people that, you know, a question like that, the people that throw up their hand and immediately throw out a throw out a comment, those 
more than likely you're going to be a better spectator than someone who just kind of sits there right. and just kind of does this number, right? Yeah. So it's it, a good it, way to gauge audience members um, right. to be potential volunteers. Yeah, and if you don't uh, give the audience an opportunity to express themselves like that, it will ne you'll never notice. That's why I'm saying it's good to keep things up. Yeah. And one thing I want to mention, too, is motivational speakers do this a lot. When I was in college, I would go to um, I'd listen to a lot of motivational speakers because they would come to campus right. and would – attend and I learned a lot from watching them because they're doing no tricks but keeping me entertained for an yeah. hour um, yeah. and a lot of them would just have you repeat things and it doesn't feel a lot of guys worry it's going to feel cheesy but now when I, I you know there's a trick that I do that I, I'm teaching the audience member and I say it has three steps everybody say three steps they say three steps the other thing you do is, is sneaky sneaky here you go here's, here's where my psychology degree comes in handy cognitive uh, uh, let me not even explain I was going to go into the whole psychology but let me just say this you can get the audience to understand or believe what you want them to believe by having them repeat it. So for instance, if you could say, that would be absolutely impossible if my prediction were to perfectly match. Everybody, say impossible. Impossible. Again, I would not believe if this is correct. Judy, and literally because they said the word impossible, now in their brain, their brain goes, hey man, you said this would be impossible. Give them a bigger reaction. Yeah, also along the same lines, and this probably could be its own episode too, along the same lines, if someone selects a card from a deck, the deck goes away. You then, so it's like to the three of spades. You then go, and you thought of what card was it? Three the three of spades. Now, psychologically, they think, oh yes, I thought of the three of spades. So by you saying, I thought of, and then them answering and finishing the thought now solidifies the the thought of, oh, I just thought about yeah. the card. They forget the deck altogether. Right, and you Something just use that principle work to work on. into the audience. Right. Like you can work that into your routine, same types of principles like that. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's really cool with building audience interaction is um, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned, oh, I had it on the I had it on the tip of my tongue. What were, you talking, what were we talking about right before you mentioned the card thing? Oh, God. Oh, saying impossible. Yeah, talking about saying that would be impossible. Ask them to repeat things. Yeah. Um, Another thing that you can do. Have you do, ever watched Tony Robbins? He goes, everybody done this. Have you ever had this happen? Say, I. Everybody goes, yeah. I. So, yeah. Yeah. Super good well, you get a good impression of him. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. I love some <laughs> Tony Robbins, man. The other thing that you can do, this is where I was going. Um, don't be afraid to break up your show. Halfway through your show, if you want to say, hey, guys, we're halfway through the show now. Uh, just because I want to make sure that for this next part, we're going to really amp it up and go a lot more challenging with the things I'm going to perform. I need to do a stretch with you guys. Yeah. And don't be afraid to literally just do a stretch with them, anything, or do a, do an icebreaker or you know do a little silly gag. Like everyone turn around and shake the hand of the person behind you and say hello because they've made it this far. Yeah. And everybody turns around, you know the gag. that If everybody turns around, no one can shake each other's hand. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Funny things like that. Yeah. So little things like that that you can just do. Now, it does take a little bit of control to get them back right. on your side. But those little breaks and moments of interaction are super important. A, humanizing you. B, showing that you care about the audience. And C, just making sure that they are getting to know the people around them. Yeah, it creates, it creates camaraderie amongst audience members. Another thing that we could... Uh, we could probably talk a while about it, but if you want to mention something briefly about it, because it kind of ties into all this, is um, getting the audience on your side. Yeah. So a lot of the times that's just simply done in the conversation that you have. For instance, in my show, I do a routine with a married couple, but I open that up by saying, who in here is married? And people raise their hands and I say, keep your hands off. You've, you've been married over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. 60 years, and by then, if anybody's still raising their hand in 50 or 60 years, the audience, I'm going to give them a round of applause. So now the audience is completely, not only are they 
connected now between all of them because they have the shared experience. Oh yeah. But they're all about this one or two couple. The last show I did, there were two couples. They're married over sixty years. Oh, it's crazy. Goodness. And so the audience is like, oh my god, that is amazing. Now they're also on my side because I made it a point to 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 point that out, right? That that oh, they've been married sixty years. That sort of thing. Corporate entertainers take notes because you can ask people who's been at the company for five years, who's been at the company for seven years, 10 years, 15 years, and you can do the same thing. Yeah. They got to get close to the mic for that because that's important. (laughs) Uh, And also, you'll notice people will come up to them after the show, like the show's gone, everyone's walking around, going into the lobby if you're at a theater, and they'll find that couple and congratulate them. Sometimes just now thought about that might be good to do on that is saying, you know what? After the show, make sure you find that couple and, and, and ask them what is what has been the secret for staying together. For actually, in one show, and you're turning, I say that you're turning volunteers into celebrities, which is something my right. show does really well. I don't do it as much as I used to, but I used to build volunteers. I used to actually give my business cards and a marker to the volunteer who did this amazing routine with me that everybody cheered for. And he would sign my business cards for me. I'd be like, if you mm. want an autograph, go over there and he'll sign it for you. Yeah. And it's kind of a joke. People go over it, but they really do get a signed You can even card. say that in corporate. Say, ah, you get an autograph from this guy later. You know, rock star right here. Yeah. Right? You're making him look great. And know? then afterwards, you can call him to the front. And literally, that's a callback you can make. Is at the end of your show, you pull him up. Uh, and don't forget, Ted's going to stand right here by the stage till the end of the, yeah. till the, end of the party. Uh, he's yeah. not going to get any drinks or any food. He's going to stand right here to answer <laughs> all your questions. Yeah. And that's a callback you can make. So, sorry, I totally cut you off, but it was no, a really no awesome idea there. No, so yeah, it's just, you know, create, it's to create interaction, um, yeah, just simply get to know your audience. Yeah. You know, create that relationship with your audience. Don't be... You have the tendency, especially when you're just, maybe it's a brand new show or you're trying out a brand new trick or that sort of thing. You have the tendency to focus more on the effect and making sure it works and that sort of thing. You kind of forget about the audience members. Um, I'll give you a real world example. I was doing a routine kind of similar to Tossed Out Deck, but I bring five people oh, on. Yeah. I bring five people up to the stage. I give them each a portion of the deck. They each shuffled in one corporate event. I brought them all, not here. Man, this is so terrible. I'm just going to explain it all to you. The stage was extremely far away. We were in this huge banquet hall. It's like 400 people. The stage was extremely far away. So it took the spectators two to three minutes to actually make their way up to the front of the stage. I gave them the cards. I had the C or the president standing next to me. That was going to be the main person helping me in the routine. But I still wanted to involve other people. They shuffled the cards. I said, thank you. I took all the cards back from them. I said, you can head back to your seat. They go, what? Mm-hmm. What what do we? One guy even said, "What do we come up here for?" Then never do that. So yeah. now I keep them on stage with me. So I just bring five people up because they feel like they're just being used at that point. Like you don't care about them at all. Like I didn't ask their names. I just said, "Here's thank you for like they were literally just worker bees at that point." You know, um, maybe this is and this is a topic I did not mean to get into, but I wanted to say a couple sentences here. And you hear this from rock stars and artists you listen to and painters, and they always say um, to their fans, thank you so much because without you, I literally do not exist. I cannot do this. And sometimes we act like that's something that people who made it have said. That's something that you, no matter what level of magic you are, if you have any sort of success at all or even if you don't and you're going to – the way you treat your audience is so important because those are the people who determine your future. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Every single volunteer that you bring on stage has the potential to book you for gigs or yeah. has the potential to spread your word or has the potential to become a fan. 
those are the people who literally at the end of the day have spent time with you and get to yeah. know you and they helped out in your show is a perfect person to spread your graces. If you don't give them an opportunity to express themselves, they're not going to feel as connected with you because yeah. so they won't spread your sing your praises as highly. But also you should be thankful and treat them like it's an honor to be with them because it's an honor to be with a potential fan all the time. Yeah. Um, so just remember that. Like if, if psychologically in your head you 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 can't remember to do this stuff, try to remember why they're so important and that probably will help you do it um, a little bit more subconsciously because it's yeah. so important that your volunteers can be treated with respect and um, feel that they're important because at the end of the day, you know, people who got to be on David Copperfield's stage and do the yeah. disappearing trick or whatever those are the people who usually are the biggest fans of david copperfield so yeah yeah i literally uh end my show now by saying thank you all for taking this journey with me and being part of my story uh without you there would be no story so that's awesome it's I like a great way that. to bring people in to and give acknowledgement back to them and same thing with my floating table it's exactly yep. what i do is exactly. I, I thank them and acknowledge them and i acknowledge the journey that we went on and said yep. hey guys you know i really had an awesome time this is such a great room i talk i give a little speech about how not only for my show they can have a good time but for the for the rest of the party they can really enjoy themselves yep. give them some tips on that yeah and then i i say hey just thank you for you guys i'm gonna show you something really special to me that's my show yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I think we pretty much covered. Maybe most we should of do it. a quick recap. We'll keep it super short. We yeah. talked about peaks and valleys in routines. We talked about why it's important to routine your show and how to segue things together and why it's important to segue them. You really don't want to leave people hanging. Right. We talked about building connection in your audience a lot. We really went into that mm -hmm. one. And we talked about um, how it's a misconception, how a lot of the time the tricks are what people are going to remember. It's not. It's the little things. It's the jokes. It's the story. It's the character. Those are those are what people remember. Um, yeah. And we didn't really go into visually ups and downs um peaks and valleys right. I, I think that that uh, that's something that i'm not even qualified to speak on because i'm just learning about now well, really, but, uh, real quick on that just to end that out it's it, this literally can be summed up in a matter of a couple sentences visual peaks and valleys just means that you have some we briefly mentioned it you have some routines where it's just you on stage you have some routines where you're standing and the spectator is standing you have some another routine where the spectator is sitting you have another routine where you're both sitting I have a, like my show, I have a routine where I'm sitting and the spectator is standing behind me. You have a routine where there's five of you on stage. Um, so that's what's called visual. There's some routines that you go out into the audience. So that's a, yeah. a, a visual change for Imagine people. Imagine that every so minute somebody snaps a picture. Every minute of your show, somebody snaps a picture. And then you go through minute by minute and you skip through. If it all looks the same as you're sliding through, like, like imagine taking a YouTube video dragger or... Um, time frame and you're dragging through the video and it looks the same the whole way you probably won't be interested but if one minute you're standing the next minute you're sitting the next minute you're not there the next minute there's an audience up there yeah uh audience member well now it looks like the show's a lot more dynamic yeah and, That's um, good way to and it. actually this is more practical than you think not only does it make it for a better show but literally your shows do get recorded and put on youtube sometimes and people will legitimately if it's a 40 minute video they'll, just, they'll scroll through yeah. if it looks the same the whole way well, you got less of a chance of retaining them. So you yeah. want to have visual differences that they might see, oh, well, that's really different. I'll stop. And that's why if you really want to take it to the next level, changing the show setting is really good, yeah. you know, changing the props out. Anyway. I'll, I'll say real quickly, and I didn't mention this to you, but I think you'll agree with me, that a second part of structuring your show should be about scripting. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But I'm, so I, we'll scripting is my strength. other another episode because something else that I want to get into is about um, we were talking about once again those peaks and valleys of um, 
uh, sound peaks and valleys. So getting really excited, moments of silence, I think are super important. Music ups and downs. Music ups and downs. Yeah, whether you should use music or not throughout the show, does it enhance, does it not? And just the script of the entire show, both what you say and how you say it. Right. So I think yeah. that could be a part two for structuring the show. And, and just to give you guys some excitement on that, structuring my show or uh, sorry, scripting my show is what magicians from literally around the world contact me to do. Like that scripting is my biggest strength as a performer and not only just in performance, but in sales as well. That's why I've seen my success, you know, working with TV shows and stuff is because literally scripting for me is, is such a strong thing. That's, yeah. that's my strength. So anything else? No, that's it. That's it. Peace. Thank you.